Well, you glad to be in church? Okay, um, I'm, I'm preaching a message this morning because uh, next week is Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Amen. And so, the, the, Jake, I just changed the title of the message again, just right then. It's called The Rise of the Body. Okay? The Rise of the Body. And so, I, I want to I share something with you before we get going. Uh, you know, Living Waters Church was formed in 1986. All right? And uh, it was formed as Living Waters Outreach because at the time, we were all looking, that's just the word that hit us. It was Living Waters Outreach. And then over the years, as things have transpired and all, we got talking about church. And then we began to be Living Waters Church, just refer to ourselves as Living Waters Church. And uh, so we've been looking, you know, needing to spruce things up and put new, new cards and stuff out and all. And we got to doing this. And, and years ago, in 93, when I took over pastoring the church, we had that sign made, a water hole for the world. Because the Lord told me, that, that this building, this body of believers was never supposed to be a corral. In other words, it wasn't supposed to bring in the cows, bring in the sheep, herd them in here and lock it down. It was supposed to be a water hole. It was a place where people could come in. They could drink from the waters of God, the spirit of God freely. And then if, that, if they went on somewhere else, they went on somewhere else. But we were here as a water hole. Amen. And he gave me Psalms 107 over that, and, and, and then eventually we formed the water hole, which began to be the outreach going out into all the world. So we had the water hole going into all the missions and all the stuff like that. Then we took the broadcast going out because I didn't want to make the church here liable for anything I'd say and get in trouble over the Internet. And so we, did, we ran all the broadcasts and everything underneath the water hole and have kept it separate because we don't want to get sued. If you did, it's just me, take them on, and they don't get nothing. So anyway, um, so when we started doing all of this, we, 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 I began to see what I felt like the Lord was doing was he was trying to get us to refocus that we're not just a church. Because see, when you get focused and you're just a church, then you start looking only inwardly in the box, in this building, in what's right here. We have no more vision or focus than what's inside the four walls. Hello? And then everything begins to be geared towards getting everybody in our box. Right? And that's what causes churches to dwindle. And you're going to hear from the message this morning right now about the church. And so I've got a whole, the body of Christ I'm talking about. And I want to be preaching about what that, what's wrong with the church. But so I, I told them, everybody, I said, no, let's refocus ourselves. Okay, let's refocus and, and let's begin to go back to where we originally started, Living Waters Outreach. Because I want y'all to be focused on reaching out. I want you to be focused that... When we create the, the, the Freedom Center over here and that we're, we're, we're trying to reach out to people, it's all about reaching out. Hello? Everybody say reaching out. We don't want to just create a church that we just all, you know, here we are, the church in the steeple, open the doors and see all the little peoples, you know. We don't want to be that way. We don't want to be just like this. We're going to be focused out. And so it's really pretty simple. You have the water hole, which is focused into the world, going out into the world, the broadcast, plus all the missions and stuff like that. And we have Living Waters Outreach, which is everything that we are here and everything that God is about to bring out and all the people that are going to 
be blessed and touched and healed as we reach out. And then, of course, this building will grow. Hello? But you got to understand something. This building is not the church. You are the church, the body of Christ, okay? And so, so when we have a new website, and you need to go check it out and look at it. And there's still some tweaking we have to do to it. But if you go to a waterholefortheworld.com, if you can't remember, look on the wall, and then just put .com after it, all right? that then you can go and it'll navigate you through all the things. And so like Tracy said, we've got cards up there. Go give somebody a card if they're smart enough. Now, you know, I went to a restaurant the other day and uh, sat down at the table and the lady said, you know, well, what would y'all like? And I was like, I'd like a menu. <laughs> and they said, oh, it's right there. And I looked down and it was one of these little, you know, QR things. You're supposed to hit it with your phone and do it. And I was like, What? And so then I had to go scroll through, see if I had thing to do it and whatever, you know, and I, I, I didn't navigate very well. And finally I said, you know, bring me a hamburger. <laughs> but uh, th that's where the world is today. Most people know what that is on the back of the card. So either way, whether they're using a, either phone, it's on there. And so again, they're there, pick them up, take them, use them, give them, pass them out to people. People want to know. What, what church do you go to? Say, well, you know, we go, to, we go to Living Waters Outreach. If you want to say Living Waters Church, it's okay with me. All right? But I just want you to get outreach-minded. Matter of fact, you can put on your checks, Living Waters Outreach, because that's what we are. You can, you can change LWC, just put a little deal on the C, and then it becomes LWO. I don't know what that means. I can't come up with a word for that. If it was L-O-W, that'd be low, but we ain't got low. We got whatever. And so Living Waters Outreach. And so I just want y'all to be focused on that, amen? Because we're reaching out. We're not going to be a body of believers here that just looking inwardly. We're going to be looking outwardly to reach out and touch people everywhere, amen? amen. So look at the person beside you and say, that sounds cool. Okay. So I want you to go in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21. Get your Bibles out. I'm sorry, I'm just off a little bit here. Matthew 21, verse 1. Now, this is Palm Sunday, and uh, I was talking to Sister Annie yesterday, you know, and they live down in the valley, and so they're, they're right beside a big palm orchard. And so they were having all out palm leaves everywhere this morning, palm floats, everybody's singing, everybody got the leaves out, the big things going on, so... That was a real sight. I said, well, we don't have nothing up here but some mesquite kind of blooming out. And it's too dry to be outside anyway. So Matthew 21. Now I'm going to read this. And so y'all just bear with me. Starting in verse 1. It says, now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Beth Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the villages opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt of the foal of a donkey. And so his disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. 
And they brought the donkey and the colt and laid their, their clothes on them. They set him on them. And then a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road, others cutting down branches from the palm trees and spreading them on the road. Then the multitude who went before them and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Well, who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and the scribes saw that the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, what do you, do you hear th what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and of nursing infants? You have perfected praise. And he left them and he went into the city uh, to Bethany and he lodged there. <clears throat> now, I want you to see uh, Luke 19, 42. Luke 19, 42. That's the same story, but in the book of Luke, and this is what Jesus did right before he came into Jerusalem. Luke 19, 42. Jesus said, saying, if you had known even you especially in this day the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. So Jesus comes in on Palm Sunday. He's, he's riding in on this, this, this donkey. Everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's shouting Hosanna. Now, you know, Hosanna is not a word that I ever grew up saying, right? It's a church word, Hosanna. But the, 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 if you look up the word Hosanna and you look at the root meaning of it and you go back to the Hebrew origin of it and you look at it, what it really means is he saves, are he's the one who will save. This is what the word means. When they're shouting Hosanna, they're saying, you know, it's him. He's doing it. He's the savior. He's save us, Lord, is what, it's, what it really means. We sing it in the songs and we sing it, we sing it like, like it's praise, but it's really not praise. It's a crying out and a declaration that you're saying that man is the one who's gonna save us. So the reason why they were crying out Hosanna is because it was Jesus and he's coming in on the, on the donkey and everybody's singing, he's the one, he's the savior, he's the son of David, he's the Messiah, he's the one, Hosanna, Hosanna. And that was meaning, and he's, our sa he's the one that's gonna save us, right? Well, what's wrong with the world today is the world doesn't know what's going to save them. Hear me, I'm just going to preach today. So I'm just going to have fun and preach. So y'all just hang on. And all y'all are all close to the spit line. So be careful. <laughs> I'm telling you, the world doesn't know where to go. The world's looking for everything in the world. Certain people are looking to the government to deliver them. Some people are looking to Medicare to be their answer. Some people are looking for this plan and that plan and this over here and that one's going to do us in. And then there's, a, there's a, listen, listen to me. Don't get mad. Don't throw rocks. But then there's some of us on the right. We're all looking for the elections to come up and we're going to get all the Republicans in and then we're going to get a Republican president. We're going to turn this thing around. There ain't nobody going to turn this thing around except Jesus. And Jesus is the only one. Hello? 
Listen to me, you gotta be able to shout Hosanna to what you know is what's gonna save you. Listen to me, there ain't no vaccine gonna save you. I'm just telling you, man, it's Jesus in a relationship with him. And when Jesus came riding in there, everybody was shouting, everybody was putting their clothes down. But next week, where were they? When they're getting ready to nail him to a cross, where are they? Even Peter's denying him, say, oh, no, I don't know him. But when he's coming in, see, they thought he was going to ride in and set up his kingdom. Run out these foul Romans. Get rid of them. I'm going to set up the earthly reign of the Messiah Christ on earth. They thought it was the millennial reign going to happen. But that's not coming till later down the road. Hello? And so what was happening was everybody was excited. Well, listen to me. There's a lot of people sitting in churches today, and I pray it's not you, but there's a lot of people sitting in churches today that came to church for only the reason is they just knew they were supposed to. There's a lot of preachers today preaching from the pulpit, and they're not saying anything to give the people life. And I plan on challenging you to the limit these next two messages. Because I know that Jesus, he is the Savior. It is Resurrection Sunday. It isn't Easter. We get so, you know, I, I want to preach this message called normalcy bias, where, you know, we've been calling it Easter for so long, everybody's thinking it's Easter, but it ain't Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday. That's what we're celebrating is Jesus proved that he was the Son of God. Hello? And he came up out of the grave. You can't go to Jerusalem and see his bones. Right? You see an empty tomb. And so my point is, is that Jesus is coming in and everybody's doing this, but everybody actually had it wrong. They were caught up in the emotionalism. They were caught up in throwing the palm leaves down and putting their stuff down and they were worshiping. And it was, it was good because at least they were worshiping the Messiah, but they didn't understand it all. And Jesus had one focus. He was going to the temple to clean it. You know, there was a, I preached a message years ago on Palm Sunday, and I, I, I took and I had the guys set up a card table right here, and then after they took the offering and took the money out of the offering, I had them set the buckets, the offering buckets, all up here on the table. You may have been here in that message, and, and I, had, I had hidden over here my bullwhip, and so then I got into that message about Jesus cleaning the temple, and I reached in there, and I pulled my bullwhip out, and I cracked that bullwhip, and there was a person who was brand new, first time they'd ever come to church. And then I hollered real loud and I kicked that table and threw those buckets everywhere. And they just said, they, they said, they, they told me later, they still come to church here. But they told me later, they said, you scared me so much. I was too scared to leave, but I was, felt like I was too scared to stay. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I didn't know what to do, run or stay. And, uh, but you know, that's, I mean, it's pretty dramatic what Jesus did. If you go read the other gospels, I mean, Jesus sat down and he wove a cord. All right. Now, I don't know how it was, but you know, I mean, I'm just sitting here. What would you be thinking if Jesus came into church and he just began to sit down? You know, I don't know what he wove. He wove three strands of something together. Hey, it was leather or rope or whatever, but he, it says he wove it. It took time, right? I don't know if it was a short. I don't know if it was a quirt or a bullwhip, right? But it was something. And then all of a sudden, he just goes bananas. Man, he starts kicking over tables. He starts 
whacking with that that whip and knocking stuff over and saying this is not the way the church is supposed to be this is not the way the house of God's supposed to be get the animals out of here get all of this stuff out of here you know what he was doing and then why he was so stirred up because of the 10 commandments in numbers chapter 20 very first one God says I'm a jealous God and I don't want nobody worshiping nothing else but me and they had started merchandising and, and, and bringing all this stuff into the church. And the church had become a place where people were basically so lazy that they didn't go through the, the methods of getting the, the, the animal sacrifice. The priest had found out they could make money off the deal. And so they had brought all the animals in there so you didn't have to get your hands dirty. You could just go up and you could just say, oh, yeah, I need a turtle dove. That's what I was. I was, I was a turtle dove sinner this week. You know, then you go up somewhere else. You got anything larger? I did some bad things this week. Give me a big one, you know. And so they had merchandised it like this and all this stuff was going on in the church. And Jesus was mad about it because he said, this is not what the house is supposed to be. So everybody thought that Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom. But what he was really doing was trying to get his church in order. That's what he was trying to do. Now, listen to me. He said, before he went in, he says, oh, if you knew the hour, if you knew the hour that would make for your peace, if you just knew, in other words, to the, to the, to crying over the city of Jerusalem, if you just knew, and I'm sitting here looking at America and I'm saying, oh my gosh, if you just knew, if you just knew the hour that we were in, if you just knew what was really taking place, if you just knew what was really going on, it is not about wind turbines. It is not about solar power. It is not about cleaning up the atmosphere. It's about cleaning up the church and cleaning up the hearts of the people. Come on, folks, it's all off. Listen to me, it's all off. I'm not saying that, I, you know, I don't think that we should have clean air, but I'm just saying that's not the focus. The focus has gotten off. The focus is about power. The focus is about money. Hello? And what Jesus did, he went into the church and he went into the church and he started cleaning out saying, this is not the way the church is supposed to be. And I've read reviews and reviews uh, over the past few weeks, uh, knowing I was coming up to this message about the church and the state of the church. And, and, and when I listen to these people, I pray they're wrong because they tell me that the state of the church is worse than, you, than, than I've ever even imagined. That the, the whole body of Christ throughout the United States is just whacked out. All right. Now, there's 10%, they say, of churches are preaching the gospel. Only 10% of the churches are actually preaching the gospel and telling people how to get saved because it's not a popular message. Because if you say to somebody, you might not go to heaven, well, then they might get offended and not, might, might not show back up at church and you lose attendance. And the only thing that they're concerned about is the number of attendance in church. Because that then means they're successful and then the pastor can say, look, the church has grown and I've done this and this is what's happened. So they give him more money because it all goes back to money, 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 money and power. Hello? And I would rather have 200 warriors, outreach warriors, than 2,000 spectators. In my opinion, I'd rather be towing out. And so I can tell you this morning, in my spirit, I know what the age is right now. The age is, listen to me, it can be any variance of this, but the age is that we are in the days of the Good Samaritan Church. Church has got to rise to be a Samaritan church. It's got to rise to be where they see the needs of people out there and they're willing to go out and get their hands dirty and meet them. 
The church has got to become the place where each and every one of you are involved in everything that you possibly can in your communities and in your surroundings and all, standing there being the salt and light that God called us to be so that we can influence people for the gospel. I didn't get a big amen on that one. Listen to me. Jesus is wanting to clean his church out. He's wanting to get his church clean so that we can be a Samaritan church, that we'll reach out, we'll have outreach. That's why I'm trying to get you to focus on outreach. And listen, if we got debates on them trying to figure out if it's a woman or a man, I'm just like, okay, you need us to step in and help you on this. You need us to come in to try to help you on this because you've gotten so off, you don't know what is a man and what is a woman. Holy moly. But it's not time for just the church to reach out because the church has reached out. I'm not talking about us. I'm talking about the body. The church has reached out before, but they did it in religion. And now it's time to do it in power. Now it's time to do it in power. When you go to your neighbor's house and that's, that's hurting and you know they're hurting and you go over there and then you pray for them. And the spirit of God touches their life and the power of God touches their life. And they, they, they see a way out and they see Jesus come to your life. Folks, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. There isn't anything else. There isn't anything else. That's why we're having our discipleship classes, our warriors classes over there to help you to become the best warrior you can be for Jesus. Because he is the answer. He's not just the answer for the season. Jesus is the reason for the season during Christmas. He is the answer for everything in life. There is no other answer. There is no other place. And so this is the age of the Samaritan church. This is the age that Jesus is trying to clean out the church and say, come on. I want you to be my people. I want you to be my hands. I want you to be my mouth. He wants you to have such a relationship with him that you can go, you know you can go to the throne of God and intercede for a person and know that your prayer has been heard. It's not your job to fix it. It's not your job to line everything up. It's not your job to heal the person. It's not your job to to, to be the answer to them. No, it's your job to introduce them to Jesus so he can touch their life. You hear me? It's not your job to have enough confidence that you could pray with somebody and you know God heard your prayer and he's going to do it. Look at the person beside you and say, man, that's good. I like that. It's a real simple thing. We're just supposed to be Christians. Isaiah 54.10, Isaiah 54.10. It says, for the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on us. Listen to me, Jesus made peace through the cross for each and every one of us. He made a way that there is a way of peace and there is a way of a connection with God the Father and restoring people back to the Father. Our whole situ, our whole, uh, I don't want to say system, that's not really right, but our whole focus in going on to with freedom prayer is about helping people to come to know the Father and get their relationship restored back to the Father. Luke 9, 42, when Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration, there was the man that had the boy that was demon-possessing. He cast him out. He said he cast out the devil, he healed the son, and he gave him back to the father. And that scripture jumped out to me years ago, and I said, my God, if that's not the answer, we need to get the devil out of the situation of people's lives, get them healed up and whatever he is tore up in their life, and get their relationship restored back to God Almighty, and that's the answer. Yes. Yes, it is. 
Hello? Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. Man, I'm telling you, that is the answer. There is no other answer. But as a church, as a body here, as an ecclesia is what it's the word is, the ecclesia of us, us being here at Living Waters, man, we got to start getting sharp and we got to start getting focused. We got to get to where we're so sharp and we're so focused when we see what's going on that need that we can be used by God by simply going up because we have been restored back to the Father. So that's why we have freedom prayer. That's why we have Bible study. That's why we have uh, 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 discipleship class. That's why we have Sunday school. That's why we have church. So we all can learn and grow and be strengthened. Today, I'm trying to impart into you so that you can feel strong about who you are and go out there into the world. And when that situation comes up, you know you have the answer. No, you, it may not have to be a word of wisdom. The answer is Jesus. Hello? Ephesians 2.11. Ephesians 2.11. He says here, Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in your flesh who are called uncircumcised by what is called the circumcision made by, in the flesh by hands, that you at, at that time, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near. You once were far off. Now you've been brought near. Everybody say I've been brought near. What did you get brought near to? Well, you got brought near to the almighty God, to the covenants and promises of God, to everything God has. You brought, you've been brought near, but how? By the blood of Jesus. Not by your good works, not by your church attendance, not by your perfect attendance, not by your Bible memorization. No, you've been brought near to Jesus by his blood. Everybody say the blood. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. He, we call him the Prince of Peace. Hello? And look at this. He says, he's our peace and it's made both one and broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man by the two. Now, what's he referring to? He's referring to the tabernacle. Okay, in the tabernacle, there was the Holy of Holies, and inside the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant and the Ten Commandments inside. Ten Commandments representing the ten things that God asked man to do that they never could do. The Ten Commandments really represented the failure of mankind in our own strength. And once a year, the high priest walked into the tabernacle, walked into the Holy of Holies once a year, not all the time, once a year, and poured blood out on the top of the mercy seat, showing that the blood was covering the Ten Commandments. In other words, between God and man, there was a separation, but it was covering this problem that he had down here. And Jesus said, no, 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 I walked in, in my body and in my flesh, and I did away with that. I didn't just cover it, I abolished it. I tore the wall down. So in Christ... There's no wall between you and God. Oh, the devil wants to get us all twisted up. The devil wants to lie to us. He wants to get us all twisted up. So well, who do you think you are? Who are you to be praying for anybody? Man, we know what you do. Everybody knows what you did. You're not too good. You got mad the other day. You acted ugly the other day. You had a bad thought the other day. Folks, let me tell you something. I'll be honest with you, and you know it's the truth. I have bad thoughts. I don't do everything right. Oh, but praise God for the blood. Ooh, 
praise God for the blood. Praise God for the ability to repent. Praise God for the ability to get on my face and say, God, I am so sorry. I blew it the other day. I blew it big time. Nobody saw it but my wife. That's bad enough. But Jesus, and I just finally went to the next morning. I got up and said, Lord, I'm sorry. I acted the fool. And forgive me. And you know what? I didn't sit around and have a pity party over it and say, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have done this. I wish I wouldn't have done that. You know? I just simply repented and said, Lord, I just want to thank you for your blood covering me. And I knew his love was right there. I knew his peace was right there because I know what the word says. And I believe the word. How am I not going to believe the word? All God said he wants us to do is repent. All God said he wants us to do is to realize that we in our own strength can't do it. We've got to have the blood. We've got to have his sacrifice that he confirms next week during the resurrection that he is the son of God and that his blood could be poured out on the mercy seat, destroying everything. Whoo, man. Then he says, he goes on down, he says, now therefore you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. This is what he says, folks. This is real. And I believe with all of my heart, Listen to me. I believe with all of my heart, Jesus is coming back. I know he's coming back because the word says he's coming back, but I really believe something's getting ready to happen. I really believe there's a dispensational change getting ready to happen. Just like, just like Jesus, when he was born, that day when the angels were singing and shouting and everything was going on, there was what we call a dispensational change. We entered into what was called the age of grace. Nobody felt a shockwave. Nobody, you know, didn't get a, you know, a shaking that night. What happened was, is God said, okay, now there's a change. It's not anybody going to be righteous by the law. Never were anyway. We're not going to be under the law again. And everybody that believes in Jesus Christ as the son of God, he's going to be saved. He's going to tear down that middle wall of separation. He's going to go to the cross. So Resurrection Sunday really is the, I would say, the time when the dispensation of grace really became effective because then a person could be saved because Jesus was resurrected. Hello? But an age change, it changed from the, under the age of the law to the age of the dispensation of grace. And I believe there's, about a, there's another dispensation about to happen. I believe something's about to just click over and it's just like God's going to flip the switch and then something's going to change. And I believe it's taking us right into the end times. That's what I believe. And I believe it's quick. I believe it's soon. I don't believe it's 30 years from now. I believe I see it in my lifetime. And I'm 60. And not planning on living to 90. All right? I believe it's quickly. But this is a scripture here that just excites me. Jeremiah 33, 20. This scripture just so excites me. Jeremiah 33, 20. It says, thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night so that there will be no day and no night in their season, then my covenant will also be broken with David, my servant, so that I shall not have a son to reign over his throne and with the Levites and the priests and the ministers. Now, you got to understand this. God is literally saying it would be easier for a person to break covenant so that the sun and the moon didn't 
make day and night. Hello? So it'd be easier to break that than it would be for me to break my promises of what I've said. There is a son reigning from the house of David. His name's Jesus. Listen. So that means every day when the sun rises, you can just kind of chuckle and say, huh, yeah, God, your covenant's still at work. Still at work. And if your covenant's still at work, that means my covenant between me and Jesus is still at work. That means today I'm still covered by the blood. That means today I'm still righteous before you by the blood. That means today, Lord, your promises are yes and amen to me. All the promises of God are there. You're God, you're true. There's nothing that can stop us, nothing that can hinder it, nothing that can get in the way because Jesus, your blood's there for us. Whoo, Lord have mercy. That is good news. That it would be easier for the covenant to be broken with day and night than it would be for God's promises to fail to you. That's the kind of confidence we need. But the church needs to be shaken up and the church needs to wake up. We don't need to woke up. We need to wake up. Hello? Because there's so many Christians just going through and we're... And, and the world keeps trying to put this stuff before us and say, well, okay, well, this is normal. This is okay. This is normal. And trying to get us to accept it and walk in it when we're, it's time for the church to rise up and say, no. That is exactly against the teachings of the word of God. That's exactly against the teachings of Jesus. And we're not going to go into that. No, we're not. That's wrong. I'm sorry. We're not going down there. No, I'm not sorry. No, I'm, you're wrong. And we're not going down that road. Right? And the, but we have to be a church that has power in it. Now, where's power come from? Jesus. Power's coming from him, not from us, and our relationship with him. But we got to be a church that knows how to flow with him. Churches, there's churches today that are all up in arms and, 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 and just, you know, there's no flow. There's no nothing. They're fighting amongst each other. There's bickering. There's power struggles going on. There's all this going on. There's all this taking out when, when, when there's people dying all around them. And it's time for the church to wake up and say, look, the most important thing we're called to do on the face of this earth is to take Jesus to other people. Now go look at Acts chapter 12, verse 1. Acts 12, 1. It says, now about this time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some of the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. Now, do you realize the church has always been under harassment? That's not a new thing. It's not a new thing for the government officials to be harassing the church. It's always been there. And he says, so they killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And then because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. So when he had arrested him, he put him in prison. He delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. So this is taking place at the same time right now that we're in. Now, you see that? Because Passover is this coming week. And he's going to wait till after Passover. So then they've arrested him during the Passover season. So Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. The church, that word means ecclesia, the body, the group of believers. It is not, listen to me, you've got to get the thinking of church being the white-sided with the steeple. That's a building. The church is you. Whether we're meeting on hay bales this morning or we're meeting in the building we're in. You with me? 
That's the church. It's the gathering of believers organizing together to pray together in unity, to go out in unity, to, 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 to minister to people, to be Samaritans, the good Samaritan, reaching out to people that they find hurting. Who are you supposed to reach out to? Somebody you find hurting. If you don't find anybody hurting that day, well, then you're, you, 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 you get a break, right? You don't have to go drum up business. So it says, and when Herod was about to bring him out, that night, Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now, that doesn't sound like very good sleeping arrangements to me. What do you think? You're bound by chains, sleeping with two probably snoring soldiers, right? And there's guys out there guarding it, and you're in jail. But Peter's asleep. Now, hear me, church. The church, the body of Christ across America is asleep. They don't even realize what's going on. They don't even realize where the fight is. They don't even realize what's taking place. They're, they're, they're hoodwinked and taken off and, 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 and these little dangly things, these little, little clanging symbols are what is taking their attention and they got their attention in the wrong place. Why does the bullfighter have a cape? So he doesn't get run over. Look over here, Mr. Bull. Come over here. Don't run over me. And so the devil's doing the same thing with the church. He's got the church there all over this trying to figure out who's a man, who's a woman. And they're flagging it over here. And then what are they going to do? And how are we going to do this? And what's right and what's wrong? And it's over here while the real enemy is standing right in front of them. Okay. They're asleep. That's why the church has got to rise up. The church has got to wake up. Amen. So look at this. Now, behold, the angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and, and said, rise up, and, and raised him up, saying, rise quickly. <clears throat> I was reading this, and I was like, okay, Lord, do I need to pray for an angel just to slap the church? And so I started looking up, I look up that word struck, and then I looked it up, and if you read it in King James, it says, and he smote Peter on the side. Well, that sounded worse, you got smoted, you know? <laughs> and so I looked up the word, and the word does mean, it, 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 the, the, the root of it can mean to gently, you know, like to nudge, to, to pop, to wake up. It doesn't necessarily mean to, oh, but I'm kind of thinking that the body of Christ today needs a little more than just a nudging. How many churches are all, there's all this religious tension and religious strife and they're arguing about each other and one won't go talk to the other and one over this and that and the other. And they're all like, they're, they're not Christians. Like, like they all have their own Christianity. Like they have their own Jesus. And everybody's separated. When, my goodness, I thought we were all Christians. I thought we also sort of the basis love Jesus. So anywho, so he struck Peter and he said, arise quickly. And then look at this. And the chains fell off his hands. That's a supernatural event. You're locked by chains and all of a sudden the chains just fall off. Tell me God cannot break the chains that are going on over the church. Father, I just pray that right now. Break the chains, Lord, over the church so the church can rise up. You know how many good Christian people there are in America? Lots, but they just are asleep. There's some rising up. There's some waking up. 
but it's, they're just asleep. And I pray, God, oh, break the chains off. Let them rise up. Let America come back and say, no, we're not going to do this anymore. We're not going down the road. Enough is enough. We're not putting up with it. We're putting our foot down. No. But how many of y'all know when you don't discipline your child and you never discipline them a small child and you never discipline them, you don't discipline the child and you don't discipline the child and then the child's about 14 and you, then you decide you're going to start disciplining them? you kind of got a set of problems. Hello? Then you got a set of problems. Well, that's what America's done. We've let this go too long. And so now there's a big fight on our hands. I mean, think of the idiot. This is the craziness of that. It's okay if you're a federal employee to, to take an illegal alien, put him in a car, and haul him to wherever you want to. Plane, bus, whatever. But if you do it, you go pick up one, put him in your car, and you drive down the road, they'll catch you. They'll catch you, fine you, you know, could imprison you, and then they're going to put him in their car and drive on down the road. What? It's almost as crazy as the state of Texas owns the deer. But if you hit one, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my deer. Right? We can only hunt them at a certain time, only kill so many of them and do all this kind of stuff. But one runs out and you hit it in your car and tears your car up. I haven't seen anybody from the state wanting to pay me for the reimbursement to fix my car. That don't make no sense. If it's your deer, take care of it. Get it off the road. Amen. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this whole thing is wrong. You don't have to go to Harvard and, and get a doctorate degree and to, to understand that this is not right and it's not working. Our whole system's broke. And anything that they have, the only decision they can make is to go turn the printing press on and print some more money. And it don't work like that. We're told to save and to keep and to scratch and to fight to get, in, get ahead in life, but they just go turn the printing press on, print some more, and say, I'll oh, kick the can on down the road and let somebody else worry about it. Doesn't make sense. I don't know how I got there, but here, let me get back. The chains fell off of him. It was a supernatural event. There we go. The chains had to fall off the church. People got to wake up and realize, man, this is about the gospel, folks. I believe we only have so much time left, and I want to get as many people saved and touched and blessed and healed as we possibly can. Because I believe the dispensation is going to change, and then we're going to go into the days of the tribulation, and then we're out of here, and a whole bunch of other stuff goes on. But my point is, I want to do as much as we can to the end. I want to run hard. I believe now is, you know, I'm not a runner. I hate running. I can't even hardly walk. But anyway, you know, when running, you got to run, but you're trying to keep that last bit of energy for the last kick, right? And I believe this is the time that the church needs to come into the last kick. It's time for us to pick up our game. It's time for us to, 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 to be in that where we're, we're going to reach down deep in our gut and we're going to grab hold of it and we're going to run like we ain't ever run before. We're going to learn like we had never learned before. We're going to teach and preach and declare like we've never done before. Amen. Hello? Hallelujah. So we got to get those chains off of us. We've got to get those old religious thinking off of us. We've got to get those hindrances off of us. We've got to get all that, that junk off of us. Of us. Yes, Lord. Okay, so listen. 
So then the angel said to him, gird yourself and tie on your sandal. So he did. So Peter's laid back, kicked back. Man, he's, man, he's basically gotten his jammies and he's taking his shoes off, sleeping here, right? And they said, put it all on. So he went out and he followed him and he did not know what was, was done by the angel was real. What? I mean, was he that deep of a sleeper? He thinks he's just sleepwalking, he's dreaming this. And so when they passed the first and then the second guard post that came to the iron gate that led to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. The gate opened of its own accord. I believe God is trying to get us to the place where he supernaturally wants to open up the gate so that we can go on and be, but he's waiting for us to wake up. And then the angel departed from him. And when Peter had come to himself, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Who's there? The church, the ecclesia, right? And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda come. She answered them and she said, and, and she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness. She did not open the gate but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. What? But they said to her, you're beside yourself. And she kept insisting so that it was that they finally said, well, it must be his angel. In other words, he's dead and you saw his angel. That church had a lot of faith. Them was some praying people, weren't they? When the answer to their prayer shows up, they can't believe it and said, it must be his angel out there. He's dead. They killed him by now. Where did that come up from? Were you not praying for him to be delivered? And now you just figure where they killed him and so it's all over with? I mean, that's a real praying church. <laughs> and the church for too long has been that kind of a church. The church too long has just been going through the motions. Everybody goes, they gather, they get their coffee, they say their prayers, and then they leave and they say, oh, well, you know, we had prayer meeting today. Well, I want to see something happening. And God wants to open the gate for us, but he's only going to be able to open the gate for us if he's got a church that who is awake. Amen. As long as you're asleep bound with chains laying there on the ground, there's not much God can do with you. Hallelujah. And there's some people that are in the church just saying, well, you know, I, I'm just like Peter. I'm just might as well just go ahead and die. At least I'll die glorious. And they've just become inactive. They become symbols. Amen. Symbols. Yes, Lord. Not a church full of power, not go by. People don't drive down the road and say, look at that powerhouse over there. I did have a person the other day say to me, he said, man, y'all got a lot of people over at your church. The parking lot's always full. And I said, well, uh, yeah. He said, do y'all have just this really small parking lot? <laughs> and I said, no, we've got a really large parking lot. I just couldn't hardly believe it. Folks, listen to me. The church has to become a church, a place of power. Now, quickly, I'm going to go to something else. I mean, I want to continue on with this, but I just have one more segment I want to do. Judges chapter 6, verse 20. Story of Gideon. I just want to show you something in here. And I want to show you what really has to take place on this Palm Sunday. The one thing that the people did get right on Palm Sunday was they knew that Jesus was to be worshipped. They got that part right, okay? In Judges chapter 6, verse 20, it says, The angel of God, this is the, I don't want to read the whole thing. Go back and read all of 6 and, and look at it. But the angel appears unto Gideon and goes through all that. 
So the angels of God said to him, take the meat of the unleavened bread and lay them on the rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put it out the end of his staff to it in his hand and he was touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire rose out of the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. And the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Now Gideon perceived that he was that it was the angel of the Lord. And he said, Alas, my Lord, for I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Then the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Okay. And, and so Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. The God, God is peace. Okay. The Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. The word shalom does not just mean peace. The word of shalom, the word shalom truly means like, um, man, everything's okay. I mean, to put it as country as I can, to say shalom means it's all good. And it really is. You know, like when you go up to somebody and say, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. And really their life's in disarray. But they'll say, I'm doing fine. But to say shalom from what that means, to go up and say, that really means, I don't have a care in the world. You need to go listen to Wednesday night's message when I preach about being careless. But anyway, I don't have a care in the world because there's total and complete peace in my life. Well, folks, listen to me. I've got, you know, as pastor of the church, I I live my personal life with my family and all that and the struggles that we go through just like everybody else does. Plus, I have all of y'all. And so as Paul said, the cares of the church come upon me daily. And the cares of the church come upon me daily. But I want you all to know something. I have peace. In my soul, I have peace. Sometimes my head crazy. My head just gets crazy. I mean, sometimes I, I mean, I, I'm serious. I just say, man, I am nuts in my head. But inside of my heart, I have peace. You know why? Because I know Jesus is real. I know he arose from the dead. I know he's my Lord and Savior. I know his blood covers me. I know I'm right with God. I know that right now, if I, if I, if I die, I'm going to heaven. I know I'm, 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 everything's settled. I have peace. I know that if you try to destroy me, I'm not going like, to like it. I'm not going to want to walk through it. I'm not going to want to have to go through all those issues. But I do know that I'm going to win because God said everything that happens to me, he's going to be there working it out. All right? So here's Gideon. And he's finding this Lord of peace. Gideon was a whiner hiding in a, in a, in a, 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 a wine vat and, and, and scared of him. But then the Lord tells him something. Now, let's read on. It says, to this day that's still in, in Ophrah in Abizrites. Uh, and now it came to pass at the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull, the seven years old, tear down the altar of Baal that your father has cut down. And cut down the wooden images that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord, your God, on top of this rock. And in proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood and the image that you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men with him from among the servants, and they did as the Lord had said to him. But because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. So the angel instructs him, the Lord instructs him basically to go over there, take his father's altars that are up, up on the side of the hill, his totem poles, his wooden statues or whatever, cut them all down, use that for the firewood to offer up a proper sacrifice of a burnt offering to the Lord, all right? Here's the last thing. We had to find out, we had to understand what true worship is. If we really want to walk in peace, we have to understand what true worship is. And true worship is not just the singing of songs. True worship is not just saying, Lord, I love you. True worship means you're going to tear down 
the things that don't please God in your life, and you're going to use them as an altar to please God. I look across so many of you here today, and so many of you, I know your testimony, and some people would be shocked to hear your testimony because they're looking at you and saying, oh, so-and-so, they're so saintly. I bet they never did anything wrong. And if we stood up and started walking across here telling our testimonies of what Jesus delivered us from, some of y'all would be absolutely shocked. It's like the time we had a men's meeting and there was like 10 men there. And so Pastor Randy said, well, go tell your testimony. And so everybody began to tell their testimony. By the time it got around to the last guy, the last guy just started laughing. He just started laughing. He laughed. He laughed. He said, I tell you what. He said, I so, feel so good right now. He said, I just feel so good because I'm not even close to as crazy as all of y'all are. I'm only here feeling guilty because I got a divorce. <laughs> you people are crazy. And I'll never forget that guy. I just laughed. I said, man, you're right. It's pretty, pretty bad. It's pretty wild things that's gone on in people's lives. Point being, the world needs to know that God is a God of deliverance and that you are where you are today because Jesus delivered you. You are here today because he is the Prince of Peace in your life. And you can say, he is Jehovah Shalom in my life. He is the, the, the God who has set everything right. Folks, listen to me. The church has gotten to where they, they, after they get all right, then they all want to look polished like they did it themselves. <laughs> let's put on some nice clothes and let's change and let's go all looking all pretty because, you know, we want everybody to know we're Christians. Yeah, we're looking good. No, you're a lost sinner headed to hell that got saved right by the last little hair of your head and God delivered you and don't be putting on no dog and pony show for me and no show going on because we all know you're a sinner just like we are but by the grace of God we're all headed to heaven amen and so this is what God's looking for. He's looking for this Samaritan church. He's looking for us to rise up and just be, be real and be out there and to be able to touch and help people and minister to people and say, buddy, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're Lord and Savior. Let me help you, man. I was lost and undone too. I was whacked. I was messed up. And Jesus saved me, delivered me. Hello? That's what this world needs. And he needs us to be the salt and the light in the middle of it and be involved in everything that we possibly can to show forth Jesus. Amen? Amen. So, Palm Sunday message, Jesus wants to clean up his house. Church is going to wake up, and next week we're going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Amen? So if you would, just put your Bibles up, and can I have my prayer team come down? And, uh, and everybody stand up if you would. Now, listen to me. I want to, I want to encourage you about something today. We have prayer team people that come up here. They're not up here because, you know, they're, they're just ornaments that we wanted to stick up here. We have people up here because they care to, 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 to be here to pray with you. But you know what? I, I thought of this today. I thought, isn't it amazing that we have freedom prayer that you can go to the website, sign up, pop in there, blip, blip, blip. And then next thing you know, you're signed up, got a date. Go in there and have three people who love you, care about you, praying with you, and God can touch your life and change you and set you free like you've never could imagine. We have people right here this morning, 
here to pray with you. We have women's Bible study. We have Sunday school classrooms. We have warriors classrooms. We have youth. We have all these things going on. But you know, it doesn't do any good if you're going to sit back full of pride and hide back and say, well, I don't know. I don't, need, I don't know what to do. I don't want to. Folks, listen to me. We're here to help. That's what it's all about. Is we're here to help. We're here to help you develop your relationship back with the Father and get restored. Amen? And so, wow, use it. Don't be miserable. I don't know how else to say it. Don't sit at your house and be miserable and let the devil torment you when you could sign up for freedom prayer and get free. Why do you want to listen to that dog? You know, I got a deal, you know, and this may sound terrible. If you're a really strong pet lover, you may not like this. But, man, a dog ain't going to bark long around my house. I'm going to get rid of the dog. I ain't going to listen to no dog bark. He's going to torment me and bother me all the time. He either can shut up and bark when he's supposed to bark, but he just ain't going to bark all the time. And I ain't going to have no devil tormenting me, barking around, yapping in my ear, telling me we're not going to make it, telling me this, telling me that. I'm not going to sit there and listen to him. I ain't going to put up with that. Why are you doing it? It's time to wake up. It's time to say, Lan, I, want, I need some prayer. I need some help. I want to be free. Praise the Lord. I want to be everything Jesus called me. I want to be a warrior for Jesus. Amen? Amen. So listen to me. If you're out there watching the broadcast today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, right where you're at, you can just hear these words of mine and you can just grab hold of them because it's the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 10, Verse 9, he says, if you would confess with your mouth, that means you got to say something out of your mouth and believe in your heart. So what you're confessing out of your mouth is truly coming from your heart of what you believe. And you can ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. You believe he is the son of God. You believe he arose from the dead. You believe that he is the one that can save you. He's the one you're crying Hosanna to. And right there, wherever you are, if you cry out to him and say, Jesus, save me, he will save you right where you're at. The spirit of God will come on the inside of you. He'll wash your sins away and make you white as snow and get that separation, that wall between you and God removed so that you can have a life of victory. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not walking in victory. You're not walking in in the joy of the Lord. You're not walking in peace. You do not know the God of peace, Jehovah Shalom. Well, then we're here to pray with you and we'll lead you to the Lord. It's the same way you're going to have to ask him to come into your life and make him the Lord and Savior of your life. If you've got a situation going on, if you've got torment in your life, anything separating you from the Father right now, listen, they'll pray with you. But I encourage you, sign up for Freedom Prayer. Go to the new website. You're just going to sign it up. Just got to type it in. It's simple. I I could do it. I told him, keep it simple, man. It's not complicated. And get free because I believe in a church of power. I believe you are powerful people. I believe that God called us here for this time and this season. And we are going to be a Samaritan outreach church that's going to reach out to people, touch people, help people, and bless people. Amen? Amen. So bow your heads with me if you would. And I want to pray over you. Father, I just declare right now, 
We give you all the praise for this day. Lord, I thank you that today is a new day. Today, there's a new change. Today, I just believe you, Lord God, that, th that we get focused in outreach. Lord, that it changes our life. It changes the focus of this church. We begin to see people differently. We begin to see everything differently. Lord, that we become that Samaritan church that would just reach out to the people everywhere around us. We just begin to just be a blessing everywhere that there is. We just begin to be people that are not afraid to pray. Well, when we do pray, things happen and things change. And so, Lord, I just pray right now. And I pray, Lord, for any person that needs to, pr to, to, to pray today and give their lives to Jesus. Any person that needs to come to know him as their Lord and Savior, Lord, we're here. So touch their hearts right now. And, Lord, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you, church. We're here to pray with you. Don't leave the building if you don't know Jesus.